Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and my guest today is Jawad Bayat. Jawad is the Associate Director for Clinical Pastoral Education at Penn Medicine Princeton Health. Today, Jawad and I discuss how spirituality intersects with clinical mental health treatment. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. And I think you said that spirituality is the relationship between a power greater than yourself, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others. So can you explain sort of the relationship with others piece and why that's important? I mean, I sort of have like a a clinical mindset when it comes to this. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just seeing a lot of overlap. So can you maybe explain what you mean by that in terms of like a spirituality perspective? And then I'll kind of give you like how I'm viewing it through like a clinical lens. Yeah. You know, I think there's going to be lots of overlap. Yeah, you know? there, of and, course. <laughs> yeah, there is. And, but then like once we get into the clinical domain and what we do day to day, it's going to vary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's where you see it because of what we need to report out and do mm-hmm. in our assessments. So part, part of what I've learned is that we can measure the healthiness of one spirituality by looking at our relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of self-reflection and introspection that's related to that, but we also get data or feedback from others too. So when you think about virtues like compassion, patience, forgiveness, perhaps reconciliation, you know, a sense of humility, uh, things like that, those are all relational characteristics. The, within the spiritual worldview, and when we're trying to like grow as a human person and transform ourselves to become better, more integrated. Often, you know, we are reaching, you know, into our, you know, into like a power that's greater than us, you know, to guide us in that Mm -hmm. path. Show me the way, Lord, show me the way God for, you know, I, I am lost. And I, I only, and like trust is like another virtue that you see there. That's all relational. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the rub is. I think when it comes to our relationships, it's about, they become our relationships are in a way a container to develop and kind of actualize our um our uh, you know like our, ourselves our struggles mm, like that's 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 the medium mm-hmm. in which my my i can see the impact that the relationship i have with for me god is having in this world mm-hmm. you know we look at some people you know i i hear this all the time in our spirituality it's like I talk about like people who are like religious, but not spiritual, spiritual, Mm. but not religious and spiritual and religious. And I take them through like what that even means. And I was like, you know, you might see some people who are religious, but not spiritual, so to speak, affiliated with a religion, but not like spiritual. What I mean Mm -hmm. here is they're going through the motions, right? They're they're getting belonging. They're getting all those needs met of belonging because Mm -hmm. it becomes like a, a social outing in a Mm -hmm. way, but you're just, they're like, yeah, but, he says he believes this and he's still doing the same stuff he's always done and it's hurting people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it could be their parents, siblings, friends, community members that they're looking at. And that's kind of what spirituality then means. Like when we're engaging in our religious practices, rituals, like I perform the five daily prayers, you know, the Salah regularly, the month of Ramadan is beginning mm-hmm. on likely this Thursday, uh, March uh, 23rd mm-hmm. for a whole month all those practices of fasting, making pilgrimage. The the end goal is not 
for me to congratulate myself and say, good, Jawad, you've done this. Now you can get into heaven. Right, right. Heaven is, is meant to be created on earth mm-hmm. the, in that sense. You know, like we're, they're meant, it's meant, it's an avenue to a, a discipline. It's like a diet that supports my relationships in this world. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to also feel that satisfaction that comes from it too. That sense of serenity, that peace that comes from engaging in many of these like spiritual ritual practices are meant to ground us in this world. So you talked about relationships sort of being like a container. And then you talked a lot about like the different virtues that we can all um, try to aspire to, I think is probably the best way to say it. Um, And I just thought that was interesting because I had never really thought about that before. But like you can't really have like compassion as a virtue Unless you have relationships to practice that on, right? <laughs> yes, um, right. I mean, is yes. that essentially what you were saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So it's. A, I just think that's I, a really good perspective. Some of my my Buddhist teachers, um, you know, in seminary and and undergrad, they would say things like, "You know, where the best place is to practice meditation." I was like, "Where?" I was thinking to say somewhere in the mountains. Yeah. Right. Something. Right. Yeah. On top he of said, a mountain. No, it's in, yeah, you know, <laughs> he said it's no, it's in the midst of chaos, mm. and that was an interesting um, uh, perspective because he's basically saying that like we're we're meant to, uh, as I understood it, transfer the benefits of that into life mm-hmm. and into our living life with our with with relationships and you know and people, self, others, and so like um, you know we have this vision in our heads, I guess, of like you know if you don't have access to a, a mountaintop, um, maybe just like finding a quiet room or something to practice mindfulness in if you can. But really like an ideal place for me to do it or to try to remember to be mindful is like when my kids are running around being crazy and being silly, that would actually be a great time to try to practice mindfulness and enjoy being in that moment. Yeah. I think the key word is mindful. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. being you know you're minding your that moment right yeah i mean um, i mean i think I, some of like these like religious you know teachers would probably say like yeah when if you do practice meditation it's supposed to support that moment that you're talking about right right it's not it's not meant to be exclusive of that but there's other things like i'm a i'm a practitioner of martial arts and and part of it is also that uh, what do you practice when you're, um aikido oh cool yeah it's a jap yeah japanese martial art it's and a lot of it is about this like energy movement and mm. and how how that's embodied in in in, in the here and now and in, like as you're practicing and right and i think they probably would consider it a spiritual martial art in that way and here's the thing like when i when i learned practicing martial arts is if i'm not mindful in that way i could get hurt yeah right and i could also hurt the other person mm-hmm. and so like it's, it becomes this container again of like what a lesson that I'm learning viscerally that I can transfer into my relationships totally outside of that session. And that's what I've found like most of our disciplines, religious life. Now, see, when you take with religion, like, like something like Islam, for instance, um, I mm-hmm. can speak to that well, is that it's very much like trying to say like this whole life is a spiritual life. Mm-hmm. My work, my my family my religious, you know, aspects of things, all of it is an opportunity to encounter the God. It's an encounter. It's a, it's a, in other words, it's, it's an opportunity 
to encounter the sacred. Like me talking to you, Andy, I'm encountering the sacred in you. Same. You know, and that's, that's, that's my theology, right? Like mm-hmm. that. And it's so much of the spiritual life. When we talk about spirituality, it's, it's not meant to help us. I know that we have to have some healthy uh, compartmentalization. The spiritual life is, is ideas about integration of seeing our life as a whole in a way. Mm-hmm. And so when suffering happens, meditation happens, ideally it's trying to bring us back towards a sense of integration, how it all comes together. And for you, you're part of my life. Like, I don't like, like, yeah, we could say that it's, it's something that like, I don't know, like you have passion about something, you enjoy what you do, you meet people in a way. And I could say that's God bringing us together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a power greater than me that, that br- that's bringing us together. <laughs> I love that perspective. And um, like when you were talking about just like this whole concept of relationships and how important they are in terms of your spirituality. I mean, isolation is really the number one determinant, I think, of whether or not a mental health issue is going to present itself in your life. And I, I think that that's why we're seeing a mental health crisis right now after the pandemic, mm-hmm. after people were just so isolated for so long. Um, a lot more people are working from home, which I think is not good for your mental health personally. Well, I shouldn't say that depending on what you're doing, I think it can definitely come with challenges. Um, yeah. So, so I just see again, sort of this, this connection between sort of like the spiritual world or like spiritual teachings and, mental health teachings uh, or mental health uh, doing mental health work, you know um, I mean, really one of the number one things you're, you're looking to do if you're experiencing depression, let's say is become more connected with people. Like the, the less you can isolate yourself socially, the better you're going to feel with every mental health quote unquote disorder, but with depression specifically, this is like the number one treatment target when somebody is looking to treat their depression. It's you have to become more connected with people and build relationships. Yeah, it's true. And you know, that's the thing. Like when we do spiritual, spiritual care work, spirituality group, I think part of what I've noticed is our modality of doing it is going, it, it's embedded in relationships. So we're doing exploration. Mm-hmm. We're doing like the work of, uncovering helping them to realize the resources they have within themselves being able to see accessibility not just being told it Mm. so we're trying to we're facilitating an experience to let them know that it's possible Mm -hmm. and that's when we're in in the room doing our work when i'm like training and guiding and like you know managing our and supervising spiritual care pastoral care and our context that's pretty much the vision that I am trying to engage with, trying to facilitate an experience. Yeah. So that they know that, that it is possible should they choose to use this. Because a lot of it is framing. Like, So wait, hold on. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. When you Go say ahead. When you say that so that they know it's possible, you mean so that they know it's possible to build connection, basically? That spirituality is accessible to them. Oh, I see. Okay. And here's the thing, some of what I'm really realized a lot of my work, and I can't tell you how many times it comes in, you'll know this too, and you clinically, but what's different from I think in a in a maybe in a spirituality way, 
is that God might pop likely or a higher power will likely enter into the conversation is when they talk about worthiness. Mm. I just don't feel worthy mm-hmm. of, of, of goodness. I just keep doing the same mistakes so, over and over and over. Yes. And so typically we, if they I would call from, that yeah, shame. I would call that shame. Yeah. 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 I mean, shame, worthiness. Mm-hmm. And then within this, within many of the, you know, the God centric traditions, the big question is left is like, where does grace fall in? Where does grace come in? Mm-hmm. You speak about God being all compassionate and all merciful. You know, many of the Christians who do baptisms, I think, um, would say that like they 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 often make that connection. Um, and anyway, so then this that's part of like the the rub when I when I'm hearing that yeah shame comes up, mm-hmm. and the way that we engage it is related to spirituality because mm-hmm. again. The, the primary byproduct of shame is disconnection. Sure. Yeah, totally. Because then, and again, I mean, this ties into mental health so much because uh, yeah, it really becomes like one of your, what we would call like core beliefs, which is like, I'm not worthy. I'm bad. Um, you know, so why would I try to have meaningful relationships or meaningful connection with anybody or anything if uh, I know I'm just going to screw it up or if I don't deserve it, you know? Yeah. And so we meet them where they are, at least in spirit- in spirituality work. Mm-hmm. We meet them where they are. And we listen to exactly what they just, like what you, the example of what you just gave. Uh, how, I've heard very similar words. And mm-hmm. we meet them where they are. We're not there to try to convince them to think otherwise. That usually brings about the opposite effect. Right. Sure. I mean, you know this clinically, the the way to feel better is to feel bad first. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, totally. 100%. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that is, um, that's the toughest part of treatment is trying to get people to sign on to that mentality because it's uncomfortable. Um, but so I think we've sort of covered two of the three pillars that you talked about and, uh, so we've talked a lot about relationship with others, relationship with uh, a power greater than yourself. And then the third one is really, you said, is relationship with yourself. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of the third pillar to spirituality. So can you just explain that one a little bit? I mean, I, yeah. I think, you know, what, I think we kind of naturally got there when we just started talking about like core beliefs and shame and all that. But sure. um, but yeah, maybe you can just touch on that a little bit. Uh, yeah. So when I think of self, I think about how we treat ourselves and how, how, what kind of expectations do we have of ourselves? How much do we should ourselves? Like you said, mm, shame, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what's our relationship just, just to ourselves? The, just for the record, I want everyone out there to know that Jawad said, how much do we should ourselves? Yes, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want there to be any confusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I shouldn't do that. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is great. This is fun. Uh-huh, so, um, this. So yeah, that that's that's a kind of conversation that we have with ourselves. Interestingly, yeah, there might be some you know religious practitioners who are very observant, and they when they say prayer, they they are they are speaking with God. And I like to think that prayer is also when you use those words to, to the higher power or God or greater power, mm-hmm. that's a, that, that's also messages being sent to your inner self too. 
Mm-hmm. And so it reverberates within your own landscape, your inner landscape. So that's also a form like how, how, how do you pray? To, and, like, and that impacts your inner landscape. And that sets the, uh, you would say, like the temperature, the climate within one's being. Uh, so that could, be an, that could be an experience too of, of like your relationship with yourself. And so just continuing with this thread, you think about self-compassion. But the exploration of related to self-compassion is is really what we're talking about. Like, what's your relationship with how you speak to yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, can you accept without judgment that suffering has happened and say, this is suffering. This is a moment of stress. And you, you hold that. And then the second part being, you know, that suffering is a part of our common humanity. Mm-hmm. It's It's normal. Look. Everyone else is doing that. As, everyone else is experiencing that too. I'm not alone. And then the third, you know, having some like active kind of voice say to you what you need to hear right now. It's like a voice that of someone who's loved you, supported you before, and that be what you hear. And so what's happening is that when we're doing spirituality group or even individual sessions, some, much of this kind of experience is what's being facilitated. And then... I, that's how they're able to see because they're like over here i i even though i'm suffering i see others are suffering too and that takes them out of that sense of disconnection mm-hmm. and it helps mm-hmm. bring about that reconnection Absolutely. yes so it's a very interesting dynamic this these three dimensional aspects of spirituality because they're really tied together it's like simultaneous mm-hmm. absolutely and clinically the thing that i'm thinking of as you're talking about this is basically what's become regarded as like one of the, the best, most evidence-based therapies, which is cognitive behavioral therapy and self-talk. And essentially what that is, is, you know, taking an inventory of how you're talking to yourself in your, and how your thought process works um, and trying to basically correct for negative or untrue thinking patterns. But just that self-talk piece and how important it is in terms of your mental health, you know, uh, are you um, walking around throughout the day talking, you know, saying positive things to yourself or, or is the self-talk negative and really addressing it if it is negative? Yeah. I, I notice that that's a regular modality mm-hmm. that's used in our, you know, our context. And as, as chaplains or, you know, you know, spiritual care providers, I think there'll going to be some, you know, like a Venn diagram, some convergences for us. A lot of it's going to be that exploration of the impact that it has on, on themselves. And it, it's about like bringing it towards that transformational aspect. So obviously we're not going to be engaging them clinically and we don't have a long-term relationship with them to be able to, to bring about that. And that's not our training, mm-hmm. but right. there's going to be some, some overlap in terms of the engagement of how that is. And I could see I, us saying like, Oh, I noticed you're doing that. And mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. could see, I could see, you know, someone like yourself saying that to one of your clients as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think the the space that we're going to be within most though is when we asking that it's around meaning making, and around that that spiritual dynamic, those three dimensional, and also like if religion plays a role, that's going to be a lot of what we're holding as well as they're encountering mm-hmm. that. And it's so fascinating because we 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 live in a secular society in America with the separation of you know religion or church and state and that impacts a lot of how we think about religion and spirituality in a way and so much of like human history has lived with the experience of religion 
And like, that's where a lot of, I think, like wisdom or experiences. So even like, so I'm trying to bring to is like the practices of mindfulness that with like MBSR yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. DBT, like so much mm-hmm. of it has been drawn from the wisdom gained from a lot of the Hindu and Buddhist tradition. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's really fascinating, right? Like you there's know, a definite a really good connection point. there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Essentially that's what DBT is, right? It's, it's cognitive behavioral therapy with uh, Buddhist mindfulness thrown in there. Um, yeah. So uh, there's definitely been religious practices that have been co-opted by the mental health field because they've been proven to work. Yeah. I mean, there's wisdom there, right? Like why, why would we, not leverage totally them throughout the centuries that absolutely has, has been shown to be efficacious in treatment so like when we then are yeah as like chaplains you know like because like, i'm an imam for instance we have mm-hmm. people who are reverends rabbis we have some you know hindu and buddhist you know leaders spiritual leaders you know so come through our programs They're, we're going to bring in a lot of this experience but it's very much going to be from our like our well that we draw from but we're, we're not going to be doing it like the clinical providers, but we're going to be engaging it as like religious, spiritual guides, so to speak. Lastly, I find that with our groups, spirituality groups, I encounter more misconceptions about what a client or patient or care recipient will experience if they come to our group than perhaps any other group because of the baggage mm, that yeah. the word spirituality and religion carry. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of what we're also navigating. And so we make out a point and, and based off of what I do and other that we just, we just, we're just very clear from the beginning. This is a spirituality group. Tell me what y'all think it is first. And then I segue into how the, the, the operationalized definition of what this means for this group. And then we, we, we have conversations after that. And there's been a lot of religious hurt out there. Mm-hmm. And we're very aware of that. Totally. People from different marginalized communities and experiences, they come into the group and it, it often, they're rather sometimes suspicious. And then they realize that it's not what they thought it was going to be. It's not a place of condemnation. Mm-hmm. It's a space of exploration. It's a space of engaging with connection, relationships, and meaning. 